It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 52 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and definitely alongside me today is my co-host. Hello, I'm Chris Vint and we're in Studio 2.0. Yes, finally everybody, we have made it to Studio 2.0. After many different types of complications and delays... We did say that episode 51 would be in Studio 2.0, but that was in 1.0, but now we're in 2.0, so yay. Um, so things may sound a wee bit different, because we're in a slightly bigger room as well, so yeah, it may sound a bit echoery. 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 Yep, exactly. That, that too. Yeah. So yes, everybody, welcome to episode 52. We have another lovely episode for you. You've been listening to Wrestle Shocks and all that sort of stuff, but now we're back with Retro Shock, and I will hand over to Chris with today's subject matter. Yes, as some of you may or may not be aware, that I did a YouTube video to do with fundraising for my father, um, and said that whoever donated the most money would get an episode of Retro Shock or Wrestle Shock uh, dedicated to them. The person who donated the most by a country mile was Rory Bradfield, um, who incidentally did not want to get any shows for himself, but <gasps> instead did, said for me to ask my father um, what subjects he would like us to cover on Retroshock. So hats Fair off, place, yes, half, hats off to you, Rory. He did say. Um, Talk about Alan Partridge when it out. Alan Partridge will be making. Oh appearance. no! Well, why, why, Rory? Please, you were doing something good, and then you mentioned Alan Partridge making an appearance. Please, why? Um, so yeah, the three subjects my father has picked is the Lethal Weapon, the first film. Um, we're not going to talk about all four of them because it will be here all day. Uh, Tom and Jerry, and uh, Ovidas and Pitman. Why no? <laughs> Whenever you say that, all I can think of was like day thirty-three in the Big Brother house. I know because like that's all you think about when and you Kamal's hear the tune. wearing a skirt. Oh no! Okay, enough of the Jordy. Yeah, and he's actually chose a song to round out the show, which will be played at the end of the show. So mm. no doubt he will be listening to this. So hi, Daddy. Hello, you're downstairs. Yeah, <laughs> you're downstairs, and we're upstairs. I could bang the floor and then you said like stop doing that no, it's making too much noise but I'll not bother yeah, um, you always make too much noise I know that's because you're here oh cheers for that yeah so the first subject we're going to cover is insert trailer here lethal weapon he is a criminal's worst nightmare a cop who enjoys the danger no guns no jiu-jitsu just bring him down do you really want to jump well, then that's fine with me. Come on. Wait, Wait what, what do you mean? Wait a minute. What the fuck? King was ready to retire. Now, he's gonna wish he had. Gun! Oh! Oh! Raj, meet your new partner. New partner? Too old for this. If these guys can just stand each other. What you got in there? Boy and Smith? A lot of old timers carry those. The bad guys don't stand a chance. 
crazy guy who then becomes like Braveheart and then like <laughs> and becomes even crazier he then becomes a religious nut Tom Cruise like well yeah that's true but no <laughs> not him Mel Gibson I see yes Mel Gibson or Gibbo to his friends yes and then he makes didn't he was he the one that he did Apocalypto didn't he he directed it wasn't that him yes I, I've watched five minutes of that movie and found it very very weird but that was when he was going through that really odd period of time but yes, it is Lethal Weapon time. I did not know that the music was done by Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton's been in so much, it's unbelievable. Um, but He's yes. in Jurassic Park, Eric Clapton. What? <laughs> Confused.com? No, it wasn't really. I just thought I confused you. I know, that's what I'm saying, you have. So, Lethal Weapon 1 was out in 1987, so I wasn't born. I was. I know. I was nine. It's nine, but you're still too young to see us, I would have thought. Oh, did you sneak in cinema? No, I was half the age bracket. You're half the age bracket? Did you get get to pay half price then? Yep. Can I have one please? Where do you want to start? Something you want to jump into particularly? I will write with my dad, wrote, hence why we are actually covering Lethal Weapon. Um, apologies if I can't read this properly because my dad's handwriting is shocking. I first saw this film as we were returning from a family holiday uh, where we had been to Blackpool and Alton Towers so apparently I was sleeping in the because ca- oh, I think we're on the ferry back oh. and um, he must have gone away by himself the film had me hooked from start to finish and how the characters are brought together is a joy to watch the storyline is excellent and keeps you on the edge of your seat seat throughout um, has to be one of my favourite films of all time um, which is true because I asked if he wanted us to do this or Indiana Jones and he said because Indiana Jones 4 he didn't want us to talk about Indiana Jones Ooh. oh well that means Indiana Jones gets saved for another day anyway yeah where it will be um, a trilogy not a quadrilogy yeah exactly yeah so uh, as you all know in Operation Retroshock we like to do budgets so budget of 15 million I made 120 million in the box office I suppose that's alright well, basically, fifteen million these days would probably be Mel Gibson's wage. Well, that's that's actually true for me, and about what a quarter of Johnny Depp's wage for Pirates of the Caribbean, because he's because he's meant to be getting like fifty-five million or something like that for the next Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh God, which is ridiculous. It's like for me, the the latest Judge Dredd movie costs less than those wages. Yeah, Judge the latest Judge Dredd was made on half the budget of the flipping Stallone one. Seriously, but yes, it was made a tidy a hundred and five million dollar profit, if you say. Um, seem the only thing that makes that seem slightly low to me is the international market. You know, international market contributes so much nowadays. So domestically, I wonder did it not make as much as people thought? But obviously, it did well enough. Obviously, you get 
from another three sequels like yes exactly but shall we set the scene then yes well go on then what set what? the scene <laughs> set it I'm, not, I'm not good at setting scenes I know what, what come on come on it's your dad's one I'm letting you steer yeah, so basically if you haven't seen Lethal Weapon, there are four Lethal Weapon films. I'm not familiar basically with the first one because I've seen I, the third and the fourth one more, which seems to be a cut, cutting in point because that was the same with Rocky. It was three and four, and obviously Star Wars was episode four. Um, so Mel Gibson plays, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Martin Riggs, and Danny Glover plays uh, Sergeant Murtaugh, Roger Murtaugh, and goes, hey, Riggs, Riggs. And things like that. So yeah, um, these two get paired up together, and they don't want to be paired up. And one of the scenes is Mel Gibson on the top of a building, and some guy wants to jump. He says like, "Come on, let's do it!" And he goes like, "Yeah, I'm going to." And he puts handcuffs on your guy's hand, and then just jumps into like a bouncy castle thing, and uh, gets told off for doing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those films that. Um, it's come out in Blu-ray and it has quite a few editions of it as well, which I'm just scrolling down to. There's box office there. It grossed 120 million worldwide, so it was worldwide. Nominated for the Academy Best Sound. That's awesome. And uh, sound effects editing. But it was won by The Last Emperor. <laughs> Another noteworthy scene added to the director's cut is one where Riggs picks up a street walking prostitute, but instead of having sex with her, he takes her home to watch The Three Stooges on TV. This scene <laughs> demonstrates his terrible loneliness after his wife was killed. Oh dear. That's a bit depressing, isn't it? Uh, read that. Well, Alright. Oh, hello. <laughs> on January 19, 2011. Why had I not heard this before? On January 19, 2011, Warner Bros. announced plans to reboot Lethal Weapon franchise without Gibson and Glover. The new franchise would feature the same characters but a brand new cast. DL has been drafted in to pen this script. I've never heard of that at all. No. Usually, obviously, when you hear about something getting rebooted, there's like ultimate outrage. But obviously this one kind of slipped under the radar a wee I was bit. like doing Die Hard without Bruce Willis. Yeah, definitely. Sure, they're even do, doing another Die Hard and they're not doing it without Bruce Willis, like, because it just would not be the same at all. Or you could do Indiana Jones without, uh, <laughs> without Aliens. Without Aliens, well, yeah, that's true. But that's, again, like saying, doing Indiana Jones without um, Harrison Ford, which was, I think, the original plans for after... Indiana Jones Well, sure, apparently they uh, sent uh, Sean Connery a blank check and said, right, whatever figure you want in this for you to come back, and he didn't. Yep, he sent it back. So, yeah. Because that's actually going a slight tangent. Um, they're trying to get all the likes of the Bonds together to do stuff for like the 50th anniversary DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff like that, and literally Sean Connery turned around and snubbed them. Whiskey said, no, I'm not doing it. And his representative then said, uh, Sean is and will remain retired. Yeah. Like, but I think it's because he's a wee bit aggrieved because he didn't get paid as much as he thought he did when he did his original Bond movies. But nonetheless, so it's still you, awesome. So have you watched any of the Lethal Weapons then? Yes, I have watched the Lethal Weapons. They are they are good fun, like it's a case of, you know, they're that sort of, you know, 80s into the, you know, 90s sort of movies that you expect, you know, the way you've you know you had the diehards and all that sort of stuff as well you know this was kind of the sort of the 
you would say this sort of period of time for sort of the action cop slash kind of well, that's what it adventure style. That's what it says there about it's widely considered to be one of the best buddy cop movies. So this is obviously the reason why we had the likes of Rush Hour and Bad Boys and mm-hmm. things like that. Tango and Cash, I wouldn't really count as one to be honest with you. <laughs> Not a film that I'm over familiar with, but obviously Bad Boys had two films and Rush Hours had three. Bad Boys directed by Michael Bird. Explosions. Explosions. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, the third one obviously for me is because Renny Russo is in that and Joe Pesci's in it as well, and then the fourth one Jet Li's in it. Yep, too. So I always remember those scenes with Jet Li. Yeah, and then the first one I remember him being uh, Riggs Gibson's character being uh, like chained up, and then Glo- I think Glover f- um, frees him. And he has to pop his shoulder back in, so he whacks his shoulder oh, off the yes, wall. I remember. But he kept doing that, and it goes. <laughs> and obviously, See? and obviously, what was one thing that spawned this loaded weapon? Mm. National Lampoon's loaded weapon, yes. which of course was a party of lethal weapon. Yes. Um, where he had Emilio Estevez as Riggs, and he had Samuel Jackson as Danny Glover. Wouldn't it be better if you had Mel Gibson and Samuel Jackson in a film together? That would have been pretty awesome, though. But just going back to kind of what you were saying there about the whole shoulder thing, I think there's nothing more just kind of that makes a shiver go up my spine than either seeing, like, in sports, someone, like, breaking their leg or something like that, or seeing someone, like, having to, like, pop their shoulder back in. It's just, like, just the noise is just... ugh, ugh. (laughs) <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, but speaking of the Jet Li scene as well, I, I just find that one really remember, memorable. What are these? Uh, yes, Mars Planets. Sorry, He's discussing sorry, the Daddy. He's discussing the sweets. Um, I think it was in like one of those, you know, one of those like top one hundred sort of like movie fights or something mm-hmm. like that. I think it was in there. Um, but that was back like. If memory serves, that was like really when Jet Li was really new on the scene. If I yeah. remember right, that was kind of his jumping in point, really. When you know, kind of putting him out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's they're fun. It's a case of you can pick them up really cheap on DVD and all that. Well, as well, there's that thing there that says something to do with how many ways of been released on VHS and DVD numerous times along with single Blu-ray release the first DVD was released in 97 and featured the theatrical version of the film the director's cut was released in 2000 since then numerous sets have been released that contain all four films in the series featuring same DVDs the theatrical version was released in Blu-ray in 2006 which you can either get the first one by itself or then you can get it in a swanky four disc set Oh, there's there's like those 100 things there I was mentioning about like a top 100 things like AFI 100 years 100 movies nominated does that mean it was on the list I'm assuming uh, and then AFI's 100 years 100 thrills AFI's 100 years 100 heroes and villains which had obviously Martin Riggs and Roger Murtaugh nominated as heroes yeah why is Riggs. it why is, why is it when you see Murtaugh you have to kind of say it Murtaugh Murtaugh no, I don't say it that way. I say Murtaugh. Murtaugh. <laughs> no, say it properly. He <laughs> sound like Tiger saying there's been a Murtaugh. <laughs> there's been a Murtaugh. Murtaugh. <laughs> Murtaugh. <laughs> See, scroll up. Oh, up, sorry. Yes, up, the opposite of down. What are you doing? I don't know how to use your laptop. 
Is, why is Darth Vader making an appearance? Oh, well, I don't know. Why shouldn't it? Like, seriously, dude. That's, it is so weird seeing, like, it began its principal photography in August 1986 in LA. Don't, don't call it. Oh, you screwed up. You screwed yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> I try to maintain a healthy anus. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. It clubs away from his young. It's Seal. <laughs> I have sponsors who will walk away like that if they get a sniff of VD. It's always funny seeing Alan's face while I do this. It's just a wee bit like, yeah. She sounds like she's been touched on a bus. <laughs> All right then. Why? This is North Norfolk Digital, sustaining and maintaining our core listenership in an increasingly fragmented marketplace. No. Ever met a child the size of an ox? No, not particularly, no. Oh, okay. Anything else you um, want to talk about? Because you're obviously, you're obviously going off on a tangent. It says here about prostitution and hardcore pornography. What, is it Grand Theft Auto? Oh, no, I don't think so. Can you, get a, just, can you get a refund? No. I just remember <laughs> him... Riggs being really unstable and just being um, pointing guns at things and stuff. A wee bit like in The Big Lebowski. I've never seen that, so I don't know. know it's that. awesome. You should see The Big Lebowski. Today we're talking condiments. You're stuck on a desert island. You're allowed one condiment. Which is it to be? I don't know. What would yours be? I don't know. Gravy. <laughs> That's a condiment. Well, yeah, it probably would be gravy for you because you like have gravy with almost everything. Yeah, I do. Oh, it says there, Leonard Nimoy was one of the choices considered for directing, awesome. but he did not feel comfortable after doing action movies, and he was working on Three Men and a Baby at the time. Uh? I did not know that Leonard Nimoy was the director of Three Men and a Baby. Awesome. That is actually pretty awesome. Oh, look, according to June Vanity Fair, Bruce Willis was considered for the Riggs role. This is refer- referenced in the spoof uh, National Lampoon's loaded weapon, Bruce, as John McLean appears as the villains attack the wrong beach looking for the protagonist. Yes, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, awesome. um, we'll kind of move on to Tom and Jerry, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, join us after the break then. Well, we'll be talking about a feline and a mouse and... Uh, Get out of the house. Yeah, and it's not Sylvester and Tweety Pie. Sure not. I don't know. Stupid. Stupid faith. Faith! Your faith. Faith. Bye. Hi, this is Alison Court, better known as Claire Redfield, and you are listening to Chris and Alan on Operation Retroshock. Right, Tom and Jerry, a series of theatrical animated cartoons, obviously by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, obviously famous for loads and loads of different things. You can think of, obviously, Tom and Jerry as one, you had the Flintstones, etc., etc. 
Didn't they do Scooby Doo? Yes, oh. Anna Barbera was that as well. That's so. That's just three of them. Like, um, obviously, we know Tom is the cat. Jerry is the mouse. It says there, Tom, and then Jerry's sitting on his name. Mm-hmm. Do you not think that that picture there uh, is a wee bit along the lines of um, kind of Looney Tunes? But that was kind of the style for when yeah, they all first background. came back out. Yeah, yeah. That there. Yeah, that was kind of the style sort of because you know they were all kind of like. The way it's saying here, it's a series of theatrical animated cartoons. There was stuff that would have been on before, like movies, a wee bit like the way Pixar nowadays does their like shorts before their movies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Tom is the cat, Jerry is the mouse, uh, but you also had Spike the dog. Oh, that's Spike. So you thought of his name then? Uh-huh. Okay. I, think, I, f- I figured it out. Well done. I know, I remembered. Should I write down what my father said? Yeah, go. go, go this go. was my favourite... Father's favourite cartoon is my dad writing, not me. And I have to say that I always loved their antics together. I'm not so keen on the new episodes and would agree that older cartoons are better. The cartoon will always make you laugh and is very nice now that Sophie and Lewis also love Tom and Jerry. Enough said, I think. Awesome. Very, very true. That's, that, that is the thing, even with, say, the cartoons we would have watched as a kid. Because obviously you were He-Man, I was like Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm glad you didn't forget that. that. Yeah, I wouldn't have lived that one down, would have it? No. Um, whereas now, what what really have kids got in comparison to this? Number one, if it's meant to have been, if it was going to have been a cartoon, it's now CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, we are obviously getting... A Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, cartoon coming back later this year, so that's yeah, all well next and month. good. Is it next month? Where is this year gone? First of October. It's airing over here. Seriously, on Nickelodeon. This year has flew by. It feels like yesterday when it was all announced. Well, as I said, you don't forget that this time last year we were gearing up to go to yeah, Gamefest. I know that is another thing that is hard to believe. Like uh, as we record, this is the fourteenth of September, so this was effectively. This was like two weeks before we went. Yeah, this was like the final run-in to GameFest. Um, Hopefully there will be one next year that we can go to, who knows. Um, But uh, yeah, when it comes to the old cartoons, this was kind of the peak. Obviously you had this, you would have had Looney Tunes, you had Disney still doing their stuff as well. Mm -hmm. And obviously um, as my voice decides to change a wee bit there... This is like the peak of stuff. Number one, obviously, we have to remember they weren't silent as such, but there was no speaking or anything along those lines. The kind of main sounds you heard was either um, was it, what was she referred to as? She was like the nanny or something like that. The, yeah, Thomas. Yeah, yeah. The person they lived with. She was the only one that spoke. All you else she heard sound wise was. Like so, for example, mouse traps, clattering and banging, or screaming. and Tom screaming. Yeah, it's very much like or Jerry even screaming. Actually. It's very much like the same vein as the Pink Panther until they give him a voice and he sounded camp as anything. Yeah, it's just like oh my goodness, what? Yeah, diamond <coughs> off, and you're like oh dear lord. I know, like you seriously, but I suppose we we'll, we can get to the speaking in a bit of this, but. One of the key episodes for me that kind of stands out, I can't remember its name or anything like that, is there was one where they were at like a big orchestral event, and I swear that I must have seen that episode 
a good maybe 30 times as a kid. This was sort of the times where, sort of when I was young, when Cartoon Network was on, during the day you'd maybe get about Tom and Jerry for about two hours back to back. And because Tom and Jerry episodes weren't very, very long, yeah, you could literally sit down and maybe see about 20 episodes of Tom and Jerry in yeah. sort of an afternoon. Yeah. And obviously when it comes to the networks, when it comes to reruns, they maybe have only a selection to get. So it was kind of a case if you'd see all these episodes over and over again. And I don't know whether it was because I was a kid, but I would never get bored of them, even though I've seen them probably a million times. Um, it's something I should probably do, is kind of go back and try and get the episodes and um, watch them again, because I would say I would be as much entertained as anything. Oh, look what I saw. Yeah, Flammation. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I clicked on, because I w- wasn't sure about that. You were a wee bit like, huh? Yeah. Their version was the Tom and Jerry comedy show, WT- which debuted in WTBS, Ted Turner, wrestling. What was it? I'm reading about Filmation. J- debuted in 1980 and also featured new cartoons starring Droopy. Spike, another bulldog created by Taxi Avery. Yep, obviously. Um, Filmation Tom and Jerry cartoons were noticeably different from the Hanna-Barbera efforts as they returned Tom and Jerry to their original case formula with a somewhat more slapstick humour format. Mm. Oh, look, look, read that. Mammy, they're... Mammy, two shoes and Saturday evening puss were pasted over with new scenes featuring a thin white teenager because she was obviously a big... Hefty. A uh, black African-American, yeah. yeah. Um, See, I thought that was always, you know... I thought that was kind of part of the charm when it comes to Tom and Jerry was the fact of, kind of, for when it came out, the fact that they were living with, you know, an African-American yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. I thought, that's cool. When you look back at it, you know, that is pretty awesome. Um, you see, scroll back down. I remember, there's the thing about Spike and the Sun. What's this song called? Tyke. 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 Spike and Tyke. Was was the mum ever around? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Seriously. Um, but um, look at that! They won seven Academy Awards for best short subject. I don't blame them. Like it was awesome. The one I remember whenever you're talking about your one, the one I remember it was there was another mice. Or was it the duck? You know the way Jerry had like a wee duck friend? Yeah. Um, those two dressed up as like, um, you know, like almost like a war reenactment mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then those two were having a sword fight with Jer- with Tom. Mm-hmm. And I remember yes, being yes, like chicken legs and stuff. And then something that one of the axes kind of fell down Tom's back. Yeah. And then all his hair got. I know that's the that's the thing. You could hardly get away with this stuff now. That's what like, I was going to say. Because look at that picture. I remember that episode. It's episode was at high stakes, and it's of it's like there's a barbecue going on, and Tom literally has like sort of the f- kind of two two pronged thing that you kind of like poke into sausages turn them over and he literally has Jerry jammed underneath it it's just like I don't think you'd be allowed that nowadays because they'd be worried about kids going out and getting these from like their mum and dad's barbecue and just from, like trying to stab each other with it I would say you know someone would try to sue for that well I'll let thing. you know if Sophie and Lewis start doing that then <laughs> well, that's, uh, the, that's the thing is that because the because of the violence of it, they said that you know they needed to cut down on the violence, and I think that's why they've put in the the talking of it. And the talking's just you know, like you look, it's went from like like nineteen forty to now. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
This proved particularly helpful in 1993 when Noel's house party had to be cancelled due to an IRA bomb scare at BBC television. Tom and Jerry were shown instead bridging the gap until the next programme. In 2006, a mother complained to Ofcom of the smoking scene shown in the cartoons since Tom often attempts to impress love interest with a habit resulting yeah. in reports that the smoking scenes of Tom and Jerry may be subject to censorship. Yeah, that's the thing. Is It's just sort of after 2000, things kind of went down the hill when it came to... Oh, this is outrageous. My kids shouldn't be watching this. But when you think about it in terms of gap from when I was born to then, it isn't that great a time period. It's like, what made it so right when I was a kid to watch this <laughs> stuff? You know what I mean? In Tom and Jerry's Spotlight Collection DVD, a disclaimer by Whoopi Goldberg warns viewers about the potentially offensive material in the cartoons and emphasises that they were wrong then and they are wrong today, borrowing a phrase from the Warner Brothers Golden Collection. This disclaimer is also used in the Tom and Jerry Golden Collection Volume 1. Seriously, like, whoopee. Why? They weren't... I didn't know that Tom and Jerry was also comic books. What? They began appearing in comic books in 1942. That's Where'd cool. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, yeah. Um, they, they've appeared in a number of video games as well. Spine titles for the... Nintendo Entertainment System, Super NES, Nintendo 64, the most recent entries for the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and Nintendo GameCube. Intro. Read that from in 1988. Where am I? Where are they? Oh yeah, for sure. Read it out. In 1988, the duo were lined up to appear in the Oscar-winning Disney slash Amblin film Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a homage to the classic American animation. However, when the executive producer Steven Spielberg went to acquire the rights in 1986 MGM pre-1986 library, which Tom and Jerry were a part of, was being purchased by Turner Entertainment. What a surprise! which created a series of legal complications due to this Spielberg wasn't able to acquire the rights to Tom and Jerry's inclusion in the film which was scrapped that is such a shame could you imagine if they had been in Who Framed Roger Rabbit even for yeah. just like a short period yep, of time yep class because you have Mickey Mouse and everything there Yeah, and yep. it says there about um, Tom and Jerry was one of the biggest influences for slapstick comedy. Johnny Knoxville from Jackass has stated that watching Tom and Jerry inspired many of the stunts in his movies. Well, actually, you can kind of understand that. I'm tr- actually just thinking back to Hugh Freeman Roger Rabbit. Do you think possibly that was maybe going to be like, you know, the way you had Daffy and Donald did the whole piano thing? Mm. In I don't the think club? I don't think you could have got that. But it says there it would have appeared at the end of the film. Oh, right, just appeared at the so, end. So, yeah. Hmm. No, I thought it would have been, that there's been all really, the, really cool. There's all the direct-to-films. Jeez. Direct-to-video ones. 
and then there's one that hasn't came out yet the ginormous yeah. adventure what whoa whoa go back there Tom and Jerry Robin Hood and his merry mouse shiver me whiskers is Tom the and Jerry one. and the Wizard of Oz that Tom one and there, Jerry meet Sherlock Holmes that one there um, I think we bought for Sophie that one <laughs> Fast and the Fury is that like their version of the Fast and the Furious yeah oh my goodness CRC see this is why cartoons have went downhill it's just all these direct you know to movie flipping DVDs that's all of the Tom and Jerry shorts by Hanna Barbera there so you see there that um, 162 episodes. Why is that one down as 2005, I wonder? Was, was, it, was it like one that was hidden and then they brought it back or something like that? Mean, I don't know. So from 1940 to 1958. They're awesome. I think I definitely will be going and purchasing these again. I know you can get them quite cheap on DVD. I know, I think you can actually. You can get like a big set because I have like a my Looney Tunes one. Yep, 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 yep. Something along this this kind of line. Sorry if you can't hear me, he's behind his chair. Yeah, there. Oh, right. So it's done the same kind of styly. See, there's look, there's the picture styly. See. Yep. That's a wee bit rough, isn't it? There. Sylvester about to get edited. Oh, yeah. Bad dog. <laughs> Bad dog. What is it with cats and dogs? Oh, wait, I don't remember <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, gee, I don't know, Alan. What is the thing between uh-huh. cats and dogs? But is it not a case of is I may be making this up in my own head, but do you not think that the opening scenes in Who Framed Roger Albert kind of drew inspiration for Tom and Jerry? The fact that Roger's trying to chase after the baby when the baby's going yeah. after the cookies. Mm-hmm. And he's getting literally beat up by yeah. everything, you know, burnt by the cooker, caught in the cooker, kettle on his head, smoke coming out, fridge getting dropped on him, pretty much everything. You could say that was kind of maybe at least their sort of wee homage there's all to the Tom things. And Jerry. I didn't know that Hannah Barbera actually did the Smurfs. So yeah, Flintstones, Scooby Doo, Tom and Jerry, Yogi Bear. How did I forget Yogi Bear? Yogi Bear, Yogi Boo Boo, Quick Draw McGraw, the Smurfs, Baba Smurf, <laughs> Magella Gorilla, uh, Peter Potamus, <laughs> Johnny Quest, days. Space Ghost. I remember Space Ghost. Wacky races, oh, yes. wacky races. You and Mob. Oh, Top Cat as well. <laughs> Adam Anton, Secret Squirrel. A Hanna Barbera new cartoon series which had Wooly Gator, Touche Turtle, and Dumb Touche Turtle away! <laughs> Grape Ape, The Jetsons. How did I forget The Jetsons? I love The Jetsons. They're awesome. I think we'll have to see them sometime. There's what apparently Dad uh, looks like Captain <laughs> Caveman! <laughs> Snorks as well. Oh my goodness, I remember Snorks. There's so much good stuff from Hanna Barbera. It's unbelievable. Yes, yeah, so they're the ones that won the best short. Animated short, and there were ones that got animated or got nominated but didn't win. Oh, so was this actually at the Academy Awards? It was. Yeah, yeah. they're the Academy ones. Academy Award won. Best Short Subject. Yeah. that is awesome. So they won it. They won it. One, two, fought. three, four, four years running. Yeah, and then took a two-year gap, and then a three-year gap, and then a one-year gap. That's awesome. See, that's that just shows you the quality of them. What's what's the next list there? These cartoons were nominated for the Academy Award Best Short Subject Cartoons, but did not win. So they had, yeah, there's the ones that were up for nomination in the gap years as well. So literally they had an episode of Tom and Jerry nominated for an Academy Award pretty much every year, bar 42 and 53. So pretty much from 40 to 54, they only missed out two years from having a nomination. And like it says there in 2005... 
I was nominated the karate guard but didn't win awesome but um, I suppose we kind of can't delay the inevitable here can we what we have to talk about the movie that came out when I was a kid okay you talk about that I don't think I've seen it so I yeah. don't know what a surprise who's it by <laughs> Turner Turner Pictures Turner <laughs> right let's open it up right <laughs> I'll read this out a wee bit hold on I want to see well here that's not a bad return for the input Mike no look at the budget and then look at that it only oh wait no sorry 3.5 million wrong, and yeah. made 3.56 million yeah I was about to say I read that completely wrong I thought it was like no, 35,000 like 30, or something no. <laughs> 3.5 million made 3.5 million congratulations Ted Turner what a surprise but yep let me pull this up here <laughs> I just saw that he puts Jerry on a cue stick <laughs> yep uh, 1982 American animated musical film yeah there was musical oh what yes. no that's just wrong yeah <laughs> um, what I remember about this it, kind of, oh, it started off with your sort of stereotypical sort of Tom and Jerry stuff you know they're going about the house all that stuff but then like the house gets sold for like stuff to get built but they're like left behind I if my memory serves sorry carry on I just want to see why I know this name but then it's a case of obviously their house gets destroyed so they end up kind of having to look after each other my, what, what have, where if, have you recognised it says from? here produced by Bill Schultz Bill Schultz, Schultz worked on such titles as Jim Henson's Muppet Babies Transformers G.I. Joe American Hero and My Little Pony Friends yeah, it's just, I knew the name from somewhere, but I couldn't think where, what it was. There you go. But yeah, basically their house gets knocked down, the original house, uh, for, you know, because obviously people are trying to destroy old houses and they're wanting to make these high rises and all that sort of stuff, you know, skyscrapers and such. So they get, for some odd reason, their owners leave them behind. I think it's as a cause of them arsing about, basically. <laughs> arsing about. <laughs> you arsing about, they leave you behind. <laughs> Um, so the house gets demolished they get out in the street and it's a case of they end up having to look after one another and then there's the infamous scene of you can talk it's like oh it's like seriously so bad looking back at it now but again as a kid I absolutely love to but I suppose that's it doing its purpose really God, Rip Taylor was in it yeah Rip Taylor was in it I think he was like a bad guy or something like it's because they obviously they meet up with like a wee girl and then she gets she's like an orphan and then I think Rip Taylor's guy kind of finds her and then goes to sell her to somebody or, or another I can't remember exactly but alright let's see who did the number that four. name rings a bell as well number four read number four Good Little Creatures God's Little Creatures oh. by Dr. Applecheek Dr. Applecheek <laughs> Uh, that one is oh so corny that one friends till the end <laughs> oh it's so so bad who's that that name rings a bell there has voiced Jerry pull that up who have you voiced or am I just imagining things voice actor voice for Scrappy that's why oh right voice for Scrappy and Jerry Mouse in the Tom and Jerry movie was the voice of Max in Goof Troop. Numerous characters in Rugrats. Yeah. Oh, and Gummy Bears. I'm a gummy bear. Gummy she was bear. Teddy too in Jetsons, the movies. Well, another Hanna-Barbera. Hill slipped in a diabetic coma in May 96 and suffered a massive paralytic stroke the following month. Oh, in lovely. July 1596. Moving on. Died at age 32. <laughs> she was cremated and her ashes were kept in a private location. 
Okay, moving on. Right. Okay. He, he was the voice of Tom then. Richard Kind. Let's see what he was involved in. <gasps> oh, Chris has I had know a. It. Chris, oh, has, Chris I know has had it. a. I know him. He's in Scrubs. Is he's it? the guy who keeps thinking that he's unwell. Let's see if you're right. Oh, it's not going to tell us now. It'll probably say here. Let's have a look. He's been in Phineas and Ferb while. Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and Ferb, sorry about that. <laughs> Shows you how much I pay attention to modern cartoons. He was Molt in Disney's A Bug's Life. He's in Cars and Cars 2. There, Kind had a recurring role in Scrubs as Dr. Har- Mr. Harvey Corman, an annoying hypochondriac claim that having the same name as ha- Harvey Corman did not get as much action as you may think. Oh. And you recognise his face? Oh, he was in the Producers movie in 2005 as well. That's what I noticed his face from as well. Just shows you. Oh, yeah. Molt, I remember Molt from Bugs Life now. He was the one who obviously, uh, Kevin Spacey was uh, Hopper. Oh, was the he the bat. stupid one? He was the stupid one oh, that when he got okay. scared, just all his skin kind of popped off. Yeah. So, yeah, that rings a bell, I remember now. Yeah, because his voice is. Him's very similar to kind of the twang of Tom, yeah. Makes sense now. Do you see the name of Rip Dealer's character, by the way? Captain Kitty, an obsessed owner of a rundown amusement park. Who then finds a young orphan girl. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So you're not allowed to be violent, but you can just, like, those. Even Mr. Be- Daddy Starling. Yeah. Daddy! I love the way that that's his nickname because literally he is her daddy. <laughs> yeah, there's Dr. Sweetface Applecheek there. Sweetface Applecheek. <sighs> Aunt Pristine Fig, Robin Starling, uh, the two birds. Yeah, let's see the reception. That's <laughs> yeah. generally negative reviews from film critics. Jo- Joseph McBride of Variety remarked, "Tom and Jerry talk <laughs> won't go down in film history as the slogan to rival Garbo talks." Charles Solomon of the L.A. Times criticized the film song. Solomon also criticized Phil Roman for his direction. Hal Hansen of the uh, Washington Post complained about the dialogue between Tom and Jerry and said the voices don't fit the characters. Hinson also said the musical numbers are forgettable as they are in tall, bouncy and upbeat. However, Vincent Canby of the New York Times gave a positive review of the film. Canby praised Henry Massini's score of the film and musical numbers. Canby later went on to say the characters of Tom and Jerry have charm. As of April 2011, review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes reports that 20% of critics gave positive reviews on the film's Based on ten reviews. <laughs> ten reviews. So that's two people out of ten. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, well done, folks. Can I play one of the songs? You can do. Let's see, what have we got? Let's have a wee search on the YouTubes. Why am I calling it the YouTubes? I don't know, why are you? This'll probably just freak you out. Let me see. I'll maybe just put in Tom and Jerry Talks just so you get the really corny sorry. According to YouTube, I'm looking for Tom and Kerry. Really? Yep. Just so you can get the really the corny scene where it's just like, you can talk? Let's see what we've got, if this is the right one. I'm Tom. I'm Jerry. You talked! Oh, well, sure I talk. What do you think I am, a dummy? Funny you said it. I did. Hey, you little pipsqueak. I ought to... Hey! How come you never spoke before? 
there was nothing I wanted to say that I thought you'd understand. And there still isn't. All right, that does it. You little... Boy, you get me angry. I think that is so bad. Tom's voice, I can kind of let it away with, but Jerry's definitely doesn't fit for me. No. It isn't, it isn't, to be kind of specific, isn't very this mousy. Is apparently from 1971, this. Load up. Come on. Load faster. Ended up talking about Tom and Jerry for like 25 minutes. I know, because it is awesome. Wait, I want to play the song before we go to break. It's, this is Friends to the End, right, from the Tom and Jerry movie. I'm, we've kind of went on about this as much as anything. No, you have. I know, sorry. You know, I want to be friends to the end. We two, we're friends to the end. Ain't we my friend? <laughs> we kind of blend together. Coffee and cream. Boy, what a team. You'll never, never find two other guys compatible with second prize with two of a kind. Much of a mind. We find our way together, thinking as one, searching for sunny skies. By the way, everybody, this isn't actually Tom and Jerry. Saying this is like a dog and like a flea. We'll get Tom and Jerry in a second. I think it's the case of this was trying to show kids that oh look a cat doesn't like a mouse and a dog really shouldn't like a flea because fleas bite dogs it's just like yeah but you can be friends it's like are you serious folks that Tom and Jerry sing already hurry up yeah this is really professional Alan oh dear come on Oh, here we go. So True, the sun may turn to rain. We don't mind a drop of rain. But you won't hear us complain. <laughs> Doesn't help to stop the rain. Only What's Ted Turner. Raffle. Only Ted Turner. But, uh, let's end Tom and Jerry on a slightly more positive note. Yeah, I would agree with that. And older is better. Definitely. Older is better. As Rowdy Piper says, old school rules. Does it? I think that's actually the perfect way to end anyway. Oh, is it? Okay. That one. What, ah, uh, what am I kicking? Well, not the ah, uh, what am I kicking, that old school rules. Okay? Okay. Fine. Okay, shall we go to break? We'll go to break and come back with the Ovidas in Petman. Why no? Join us back here with more after three minutes in this commercial break. <laughs> sound like you're going to Jamaican. I don't man. know why I'm Jamaican. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm a Jamaican man from Tune Like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See you after the break, folks. Hi there, this is Shane River, voice of Scott Tracy here from Thunderbird. You're listening to Chris and Alan swapping stories and uh, dialogue on Operation Retro Shop. So stay tuned. You never know what you're going to hear.
Mal spielt das Leben mit dir gern Katz und Maus. Immer wird das geben, einer der trickst dich aus. Vielen Dank für die Blumen. Vielen Dank, Willi von dir. Es blühen rote Rosen und sind nur Souvenir. Es blühen die Mimosen wie ein Lächeln von dir. Es blühen herbstzeitlosen Tagen trösten zu mir. Was macht es schon, wenn ich einmal verliere? Vielen Dank für die Blumen. Vielen Dank, Willi von that was played is Tom and Jerry intro in German and our readers input the first series is set in Dusseldorf oh yeah <laughs> yeah mein Herr mein Führer um, yeah so uh, suppose I'll kick off with the names of these characters so it says like our readers input being German for farewell or goodbye and obviously pet every time be like oh, oh don't worry pet it'll be fine pet it's the Geordies say pet over here in Northern Ireland, we say like yeah. or mate yeah, or dead on or dead on, that sort of thing. It's common tongue. Yeah. So you have, obviously, main characters in this. You have Tim Healy, who plays Dennis... Uh, what's his surname? What a Crap. <laughs> he sings the theme tune. Patterson. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Whitley, who plays Neville Hope. Uh, Jimmy Neal, who plays... Um, Oz, or as you find out in series three, is called Leonard Osborne. Um, Pat Roach, who plays Bomber. Yes. Um, Christopher Fairbank, who you may know because he was in the very first Batman. He's the first person that Batman grabs. He goes, "Who are you?" Oh yes, yes, I know. Who um, he plays Albert Moxie. Timothy Spall plays. Yeah. Uh, Barry Taylor but it's hard, hard to believe Barry. how long ago that is like and that Timothy Spall's in this like. Gary Holton plays Wayne Norris Wayne Winston Wayne Winston Norris that's pretty good his, memory his, his full name so it is and, so. He's not, and he's not even looking at the cast list everybody I'm impressed yeah well <laughs> you all you have the headmaster from you know the one the in Queen's Nose. You know the one in the Empire Strikes Back, the one who goes like, "Yes, Lord Vader," um, and he comes out of hyperspace too early. Admiral also, and he gets choked. Yes, and then he goes like, "You are in charge now, Admiral Priet." He's their boss in this, <laughs> so he is. I trust you to know this, like just that there's a link between Vader's and Pet and the Star Wars. Yes, there is, <laughs> and obviously there's a link between Pat Roach and Indiana Jones. Because he was the bald guy who... In, At the plane? Yep. He was the guy on the like treadmill thing, the one that Indy tries to save mm. on the rope. And I can't remember what he was in... I was Temple of Doom. I can't remember what he was in Last Crusade. And it obviously was in Willow as well. Um, but they've all had like, real storied careers. And the father has actually met... Um, I've actually got all their autographs. I've got uh, Tim Healy's... Kevin Whitley, Christopher Fairbank, Pat Roach, uh, Timothy Spall. The only one I'm missing, obviously I can't get Gary Holton because sadly he passed away, is Jimmy Neal. And obviously in Series 3, Noel Clark. The picture. Yeah. 
And then I got picture up there, which is set outside the Barley Moor, which is in series two. <laughs> so I shall read what Father has said. Okay. Um, I'm expecting this to maybe be a wee bit longer than that. I don't even know where to begin on what has to be one of the best TV series ever made and ever made is underlined. We watched this from the very start when it was first shown and could not wait for the next episode. The series had everything in it that could make you laugh out loud every episode. The characters were so believable and so very well acted. I would never get tired of watching Oz in his Y fronts or cleaning his toenails with a trial. Barry and Moxie being very silly and funny. Wayne shutting up the girls, Bomber off with another lassie or or two. And then poor Dennis, never a minute's peace. He doesn't say about Neville always whining. This program is a joy to watch and is still a joy today, which it is. You see, it'll probably get rebooted in no time. Well, sure. The, well, the the series, the third one that they did to do with the transporter bridge was really, really good. That was just that was just like seeing a big reunion of mm. people you kind of grew up with. Yeah. Um, and then they did one in Cuba, and then sadly Pat Roach Bomber passed away, and they did another special two-parter for Christmas. And then that that was it. The yeah. only reason that they came back from this, well, uh, they came back and did it was, if memory serves, there was a a thing, a fundraiser in Newcastle called a song for Sammy, I believe it was called. Uh, we can scroll down later on and check this and see. Um, and Kevin Whitley, um, Jimmy Neal, and um, Tim Healy all came out and they acted as that and they got such a uh, roar from the crowd they were like maybe we should do this yeah. and I take it you know who actually wrote this oh I should know I'm trying to remember it rings a bell it's the guys who did Porridge yes I knew they, I knew they were linked with something so they did Porridge so they did so um, I have I have a book somewhere that chronicles you know like um, Jimmy Neal just turned up wanting to be a like an extra and they give him the a star and roll mm-hmm. but he was that if you watch him now his accent then was so thick oh like you, you know like they, they worried that people would not be able to understand what he said mm-hmm. because you had you had three Geordies you had Bristol you had Liverpool you had London and you had Birmingham a fair strong mix yeah just a little bit just a little all bit. you needed was one else thought yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um, but but um, do you ever remember watching the bill yeah you know the guy I can't remember his name the, the big fella who passed away he had a moustache Tosh was his name maybe I think so um, he was in it as well he was in the second series and um, Michael Elphick yes Boone he was in it as well <laughs> he was McGowan he was like some troublemaker it was so um, first series was set on um, in Germany but this was a question on the chase the other day was it yeah what German city Dusseldorf yep um, or uh, Prince Adam apparently is banana man <laughs> uh, yeah we'll quickly mention this everybody the chase is like a TV show in the UK that um, contestants can win money basically it's a kind of quiz thing they kind of they come from the table they do like a quick minute round where they answer questions where there's no multiple choice they get that money they go to the table to face sort of the brain box the chaser he's called uh, the money goes on the table they can move a step closer to the chaser for more money move a step back to lose money and 
one of the questions then in the round after uh, they become multiple choice but one of the questions was who is the alter ego of Prince Adam Banana Man He-Man or who was the other one Spider-Man yeah I think so and this guy decided that Prince Adam's logical alter ego was Banana Man yep not Eric not Eric Eric eats banana amazing transformation occurs Eric is Banana Man really and then there was the one, what was it, uh, about Thunderbirds, the next one, yeah, that they got completely um, wrong. Who who flies Thunderbird, whatever it was. Thunderbird 1, Virgil. Uh-huh. Even Dad was like, no, wrong. And you know my dad never knew, shows he never listened to the Thunderbirds episode as well. <laughs> um, when we were watching that episode of The Chase, he never knew that Tracy was named after the you know the astronauts. An astronaut, yeah. He was like, I never knew that. I was like, I am shocked you never knew that. And he was like, no, I never knew. I was like, well, there you go. Learn something new every day. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so there were... Um, Moxie um, doesn't actually appear until, like, the second or third episode. And the only reason they let him in is because he has a dartboard. And the closing <laughs> scene is, like... Because um, he says about um, the... You know, I said, we've got a bed here. Uh, I, I was told there's a bed here. And I went, no, no, you must have, you must have the wrong room. And he goes, right, okay. And he says, like... And somebody asked Dennis, well, why don't... Why aren't we, Why did you say that? Because we've got enough problems. And he goes like, oh, look, a dartboard. And he goes, like, Moxie. Oz goes, Moxie, this is your room. And he goes like, is this your dartboard? And he goes, yeah, I've no dots for it, though. <laughs> and uh, even in Series 3, they say, like, um, somebody says to Moxie about the only reason we let you in. Moxie, it was Dennis said, the only reason we let you in because he had a dartboard. <laughs> and Moxie said, "All this time, I thought it was, I thought it was my charm." Oh, yeah. God love him! But yeah, the um, very unique. Um, like even the DVDs, you know, say it was well written, perfectly acted, which it was. Um, just like um, you have so many episodes. Like there's one wherever, like a, a really um, black comedy episode where um, Oz is trying to smuggle. Uh, porn back to the UK in <laughs> coffins to try oh, and sell yeah. it and it's just absolutely hilarious but um, the first couple of episodes are the best and then the, the ones near the end because they're um, Dennis has, has a love interest called Dagmar who's the receptionist and, but his wife kind of wants to get back to, with him so he's kind of written between the two and um, he goes to say, say goodbye to Dagmar because he wants to go back home and then um, Barry's building the bike in the hut because they live in a hut they call it Starlag because it's like a prison camp and because um, Wayne's staying and Wayne's drunk and he throws down a, a cigarette and there's petrol oh. so they go outside and um, Barry's going get back because Moxie's drunk he's going like do where you want belong and then the hut explodes and then they all go around to Dagmar's and they're all covered in suit and you know everything but um, I think that's an interesting fact there look there 1988 ITV decided to use Arvidas and Pet against EastEnders the BBC's twice weekly soap my god oh wasn't that the good old days when it was only twice a week yeah but it said there about the editing and stuff that they didn't um, really like, you know, they said about the, uh, the original episodes had shown uh, in a late evening slot and hence were very adult in content because you see them going to brothels and things like that and 
Um, consequently, they cut each 50-minute episode into two 25-minute ones. That's turning 13 episodes into 26. That's really bad. So it is because there is a lot of a lot of swearing in it. Mm. Um, but for me, I prefer season two over the first series. The first two episodes are all the all these are available on iTunes. By the way, if you're wanting to see them, you know, like have a look and see. Um, would it be available in the US iTunes, or do you think they would probably have to set up a fake UK account? Perhaps I'm not sure. But then you probably get the likes of Alan Partridge and stuff over mm. there, so anything's possible. Um, so you see these, um, you see them all reuniting. Barry's getting married, and he wants to try and finish his house. And he says they have a photo, and it says like, um, said said something to do with. Um, these guys would put down their lives you know like uh, uh, drop everything at the drop of a hat and his um, workmate says well I would call them if I were you so by hook or by crook they end up coming back and the work for him and they get the house together and then Dennis owes money to Bill Patterson who has appeared in numerous Bill Patterson was you man in Doctor Who the Dalek one the one who was the one who the was Manhattan one? No, 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 no. The one who was um, he was a Dalek, but he didn't think he was. You know the one that at the end, um, wrote, uh, the Doctor and Amy say like, "Oh, we're going to come back in like ten minutes," and he's he's the one who has like the bomb, and the Doctor's trying to calm him yes, down. Yes, that's sorry, him. that's who. That's him. You mean. That's yes, him. yes, 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 yes. Um, I remember that. I remember that. He yeah. owes him money, so he's kind of like his gopher. Um, and they all you know like he's trying to turn a house into like a it's going to be a um, timeshare unit thanks <laughs> it's going to be a timeshare unit but instead he was turning an old folks home because he gets a better tax write off oh yeah 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 um, so things up there like um, one of my earliest memories is watching it and they stumble upon a video thing and because the person who owned it before was a porn merchant he had like loads of you know porn actresses <laughs> around, and the owner of the bar was there. So Wayne goes up and goes like, um, "Mr. Arthur Tiger or Pringle, this is your life." And the guys behind him are all going, "Dan, dan, dan, dan." But it was just brilliant. But um, unfortunately, towards the end of it, they'll go to Spain. But that's where Gary Holton becomes less and less involved. He starts having drug habits and oh, things, dear. and he actually then passes away so I think they had to film that and like superimpose him in it or something along those lines so that's why you see a big gap between 1986 and 2002 was whenever they came back and for me I could not wait for this Mm. Uh, Bill Nye obviously he was in Doctor Who as well Mm -hmm. he was the one showing around the um, Van Gogh and for our American listeners, you probably know Bill Nighy the best. I would probably say as um, for his appearance in Pirates of the Caribbean or Underworld or Underworld. Yeah, those two are kind of the big main ones for him. Um, everybody's probably going, "Oh, what, 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 what do you mean he was in Pirates of the Caribbean?" Yes, he was heavily CGI'd, obviously. Yeah, because he, he had like good faith. Um, <laughs> so each episode, it's got. Except the first feature to recap of the previous episode and voiceover from Dennis, a feature did not continue in the fourth series. So that was the only one that actually had that. Um, so it was. 
So they're trying to move the transporter bridge from Middlesbrough to Arizona. <laughs> um, the guy who plays Joe Saugus is actually in Dances with Wolves, and they actually make a reference with that. And somebody says, you know, Dances with Wolves is our favourite film. Um, but it, at the end of it, they actually had to put a message up saying the transporter bridge is still in Middlesbrough because people were complaining that, oh my god, how did you move that? That's a historical monument and all this mm-hmm. here. Um, but what was nice was that all the cast were there, bar. Gary Holton who died and that's where Noel Clark another Doctor Who Mickey yep. um, comes in and, and the, very young yeah the person who played Neville's wife Brenda uh, Julia Tobin I believe her name was um, actually still reprises her role and she looked rough man she <laughs> was quite pretty in the second series but in this oh rough um, Oz meets his son Rod that one? Yes, it is. And turns out that he's gay. And um, there's a great, there's two great lines. One of them I can't say on air. One of them I can't. I'll say to you off air. <laughs> one of them was whenever he's backstage um, at his son's gig because he's a Shirley Temple or he's a singer tribute, and um, he uh, he says like I should get you some you know tickets for here. You know, like, so you can come and go as you please. And Oz turns around and just like that just says, I can't see your father wearing a, a sticker that says access all areas. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just like some of the... Make of that what you will, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, just the... It says there, despite some initial scepticism that the rebel would not, work, would not work, the show was immediately hit. That was one that I could not wait to watch. You know, like I was glued to my TV once it did that. It says there about um, the comic relief Red Nose Day 2003 that um, I think you two are actually on it and then awesome. series 4 um, the main storyline of that is Oz falls in love with the ballet dancer but the ballet they don't her brother kind of um, does stuff and Barry ends up in jail it's the series series 3 if they'd left on series 3 they would end on high series 4 has some moments but Neville's like a spy and went a wee bit over the top a wee bit yeah, yeah and then series the special there was shot in Bangkok and you know um, <laughs> most of them escape uninjured from uh, British Embassy in Central Africa that's been overrun by rioters except for all she sustains a painful injury to the rectum protecting a female member herself while they're having sex from a bomb <laughs> um, but then that's series f- that special uh, that's the one wherever they say that um, Bomber's hanging up the tools and he's not coming back and at the end it says in memory of Pat Roach um, you know there you go in the final scenes Dennis Neville Nas asked the embassy to give them an assignment a nice peaceful country and find themselves hanging back to Germany once more when Neville is asked what Brenda said to him before he boarded the ferry he replied uh, that she said our feeders and pet following a dedication to Pat Roach the closing credits of the final episode are accompanied by the opening theme series from, from series one series one was done by series one and two the music was done by if I believe right Joe Fagan and then series three it was done by Mark Knopfler yes, yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Way, why I man um, and then that one there obviously they've done the thing there so that's there's all the characters there so I've actually yeah, Wyman Ian Norris so that's Noel Clark yeah. he's called Wyman um, Brian Bomber Buzzbridge that's right 
because there's a, there's a part where for yeah Leonard Os Osborne was right and there's Juliet Tobin um, the wives and girlfriends and exes <laughs> had to there Michael Elphick Ray Winston he was in it as well he was a guy called Colin uh, I went and saw the Sweeney the other day it was alright he was, was in it? it him and Plan B he was slim hey boy <laughs> The Americans wouldn't understand, but it's yeah. a swears in the UK. Sure, that's why um, I can say it like this. In this sort of sense, uh, there's the Transformer slag. Yeah. Had to be renamed to Slug. Oh, okay, I didn't know Because that. it was a case of... It was, they hadn't redubbed it for ages, and then in the UK, they found out in the UK, oh, wait, that's a yeah. derogatory term. So there you go. We, so can get, we can get away with that, because it was an educational... Our Vader Sampet is available on DVD in the UK and US as box sets and single discs. We actually have the... Put the subtitles on American. It's like a um, lunchbox thing. Um, <laughs> uh, the show was largely repeated on ITV1, ITV4. I think Men and Motors as well. But, um, yeah, Men and Motors. Um, yesterday, what? Oh, yesterday There's had a channel edit. called Yesterday. Yeah. Had to edit the third series films to fit in the time and schedule. Therefore, instead of them being sixty minutes, they were reduced to forty-five. This was not apparent with the repeats of the first two series. Weird. Whatever. Float but um, no, that's that's something that I remember just sitting down and watching with dad, and it's something that you can still sit down and watch today. Oh, it says back with the boys. The two tracks were released together as double-sided single, but only reached number fifty-three in the UK charts in April nineteen sixty. And Fagan released a new version of That's Living Alright for England's 2006 FIFA World Cup campaign. That's England Alright. I didn't actually know that. Right. I have to say to Dad about that, but I'm sure, pretty sure he'll go like, no, I had no idea about that song <laughs> at all. But uh, no, that's so, just something. I, Kevin Lloyd, that's what his name was. I'll show you a picture here. What he looks like. Oh, no picture. Oh, man, what a day. Yeah, yeah Tosh. The internet movie database, it'll, it'll appear. No wrong side. That oh, one. Poop. poop. I don't want the. How they, I, don't, I don't want how to rank things on IMDb. <laughs> no picture there either. That's bad. Nope. Wait. Nope. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> you died age four. Why? Why, got, why gum tree appearing on IMDb? Why wouldn't it? I don't know. DC lines. Yeah, so that I think that's pretty much going to do it because we've talked about twenty minutes for this here. So, and then there's about half an hour for Tom and Jerry, and about twenty for well, and about ten. Ten nation, <laughs> ten randomness when it comes to lethal weapon. Yeah. Um. But yes, I hope you've all enjoyed the episode, Rory. I hope you got your money's worth anyway. At least <laughs> I'm sure you've enjoyed this. You better. Um. We do. No refunds. <laughs> no refunds. Uh. We do appreciate. Uh you donating such a fantastic sum of money so yes congratulations to you sir um, I think it's only fair that we let him have at least a subject on a future episode of the show anyway that he actually gets to himself maybe I think that's, that'll be a, you know, a fair deal for him we'll as well we'll start watching Alan Partridge and then we'll cover that fair enough we'll do that at some stage then <laughs> um, but yes let's round out the show uh couple of things to talk about um, I think we'll first discuss what we're probably going to be doing in some future episodes um, uh, from Twitter conversations recently 
Um, I think there'll probably be another Doctor Who special coming in the not so distant future. Um, we'll probably leave that, I would say, until this ep- this series of Doctor Who is over because it'll only be another three weeks or so. Is that it? Yeah, because the first batch is five episodes, then they're doing the Christmas special and then coming back in early 2013 for the second half with Jenna Louise Coleman. So these first five episodes are the Pawn's exit, then the Christmas special where Jenna Louise Coleman gets introduced technically. I don't know. Even I, though she's already been introduced. I don't understand that at all. So what we shall see. It's Stephen Moffat logic. You have to realise that. But yes, we will do a Doctor Who special when this first batch of five episodes is done. Uh, we may have a guest because there has been a person that has requested to make an appearance uh, when we talk Doctor Who next. So uh, they may be joining us. Um, someone that's relatively new to New Who. New to new 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 who? Yeah. Um, Is this sort of toy war every so often? Yes. There's your hint, everybody. Done. Um, But yeah, with tons of other stuff, there's lists drawn up, so we shall flip a coin for the next one. Uh, I think probably your next time you'll hear us as Retro Shop will be in ORS reviews, Um, because finally things are starting to pick up again. It's kind of been a dry spell over the summer when it comes to ORS reviews. Because hardly anything worthwhile comes out over the summer, so yeah, so yeah, it's basically now every week since at the time recording Tekken Tag Tournament Two was released. So NHL every, Thirteen as well. Every week, <laughs> every week now, um, it's going to be a big release. You've got Borderlands, then you've got um, FIFA, then you've got Resident Evil Six. Yeah, yeah, you can tell that episode's <laughs> going to be fun. Um, but yeah, I'd say there'll be plenty of ORS reviews coming up in the not-so-distant future, especially in October. So as I get games to review, that's fine. You will get games to review. Not reviewing. Okay. Not reviewing Bejeweled 3. He has to review Bejeweled 3. No! Give away! <laughs> but yeah, that'll be the sort of thing you can expect in the next while. Shall we talk about the biggie then? Yep. Right. As no doubt, the vast majority of you already know, um, it's just something we just haven't addressed on the actual show as yet. But uh, like I said, most of you probably know already that we have parted ways uh, with the Pop Culture Network. Now, dirt sheets put your you know your pens away and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing to do. You know, with us leaving any negativity or anything like that, so you can forget about that. It is just a simple case of, you know, be it a mixture of personal things and other things, timing, all that sort of stuff, that we felt it was necessary at this time um, to just go it alone, I think it's fair to say. Um, You know, spread our wings and all that sort of, you know, (laughs) all that cheesy stuff. Um, So, over the next while, uh, we'll probably be um, launching our own website. We have to get all that sort of organized. You know, it probably won't be anything too complicated. It'll probably be your sort of like a blog site sort of thing. It'll be a wee bit like what Podbean, but it just slightly not that Podbean's unprofessional looking, but it's sort of a wee bit crisper and cleaner. Something that, that we can stamp or uh, put our own stamp on. Exactly, and something you know, kind of you can kind of find the whole operation retro shock, you know, wrestle shock. Yeah, or at the meantime, you can even head over to Alternative Minds where exactly. we'll be posting our episodes. It's nothing to do, you know. We thank the guys at Pop Culture Network, you know, Demon Killing and 
dirt, you know, for um, Litmus, put RetroShock on there, been there a good couple of years, you know, been a lot of great content there with, you know, like Ryan Porter, Sween Halleck, ourselves, Pixel Dan, you know, so there's been a lot of people who have kind of made their name on Pop Culture Network and it's kind of try to see if we can make it on our own now, so it's kind of sink or swim. And it was kind of let the new guys go for it as well, because yep. there's been a few new faces over at Pop Culture Network as well. Yeah, and more power to them. Exactly, you know, you know um, we, we had our start, so enjoy it while you can, guys. It's a case of not in the sense of it's going to end for you, but it's a case of we were in that position at some stage, so enjoy your start and yeah. go for it. Yeah. Um, definitely like Chris says all power to you go for it um, but yeah you know Will you know Rob a friend again from Pop Culture Network times um, he has he's his still own there. He, well yeah technically he's still there my my mind's going um, but he has his own wee side alternative minds he said do you want me to post RetroShock on there and he said you know if you want to by all means feel free you know go ahead um you may question, well, why is Rob posting alternative alternative minds, and you just aren't posting it on pop culture? It's a case of you know he's going to be doing the posting and all that sort of stuff. It's not us doing all that sort of stuff. He's literally just going to go, you know, dump bang. There's the episode. You're just going to have a listen to it. There isn't sort of any sort of real amazing crazy presentation going on to it. But um, no, it's. Uh, it's a case of it's time to do our own thing. It means sort of there isn't as many time constraints. So you may find a case of you've probably seen it with like some recent wrestle shocks and all as well, uh, going up midweek or sort of you know mid late week sort of time frames. Uh, whereas we were kind of on when we were on pop culture, kind of always you know aim for the weekends and stuff like that. So you never know. You may find uh, episodes popping up you know at any point in the week really. Yeah. Which kind of you know give you a wee midweek surprise, get you through to the weekend, all that sort of stuff, uh, because we know there is people either listening on the way to work, listen in work, Mike. Yes, talking about you, Mike, listening at work. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Um, so yeah, it's Hi, a case hey. of a bit more flexibility and all as well for us, because then um, just constraints about you know oh well this episode definitely has to be done by Saturday. You know, if it waits till Monday, it can wait till Monday. If it has to go to a Tuesday, it can go to Tuesday. Not that we're going to start being sloppy and when when uh, episodes are posted or anything like that. But um, yeah, I think there's nothing really else. There's like I said, there was nothing really sort of newsworthy in the sense of why we're leaving Pop Culture Network. So there isn't really much else to talk about. No. Um, but definitely, guys, do not think there has been any negativity between us and Pop Culture Network. That is not the case. We absolutely enjoyed our time there and wish them all the very best in their future endeavours as well. So, uh, as they have with yeah, us. No turncoats here. Exactly. <laughs> what was that? Alright, oh, okay, yeah. But yes, thank you very much, Pop Culture Network. It is now on. Uh, I think that's kind of fitting that we talked about this in the fresh start in Studio 2.0 as well. Exactly, so, yeah. So um, i just like to thank every single person who has either sent me a message on Twitter or Facebook or dropped me an email or made a donation to do with stuff going on with my dad. Um, fundraiser coming up on the 29th. So if you haven't made a donation, I would like to. You can uh, PayPal whatever you feel comfortable with to chrisvent.hotmail.com um, or you can email me or whatever. Um, I know some people, there was a guy in Venezuela who uh, couldn't make a donation due to um, 
constraints of uh, sending money outside or whatever. So that's all fu- fine. You know, the likes of Mike. Thought that counts at the yeah, end. Of exactly. It. Mike Lacey's put up a lot of eBay auctions. Ryan Porter's put up a autographed Star Wars comic. Unfortunately, I don't have a collection good enough to actually do that, or I would mind. No, but uh, a lot of people have said, you know, like spread the word on Facebook, you exactly. know, like and things like that. The likes of James Sawyer, Pixel Dan, you know. I could go on, but there's just too many people, and I would miss somebody and then feel terrible. But to anyone who has sent me a message, to anyone who made a donation to anyone just who has sent me a message on Twitter or whatever, just thank you. Um, and once Dad has beat this, I shall let you all know that, because he will beat it. Um, and that's probably going to do it for now. Yep, so everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this very, very special episode of Operation Retroshock number 52. The new Shame Dad's not 52. I think he's like 58 or something. Really? It's, it's my mum 52? Or 53? Better get on with this. And 50, 52. Turns turns 53 in November. But she looks 40. Don't tell her that either. She'll not like that. Anyway, everybody, <laughs> thanks for listening. I've been Alan Price. He's been Chris Fint. We'll see you next time with ORS Reviews. Peace. Imagine no possessions